0: Hi there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the No Small Stories podcast. This episode, it's just Shane and I, but we'll be having a conversation about my writing for my fictional podcast, The Adventures of Abernathy Franklin, and a couple of other projects that I'm working on. We have a great conversation. We visit a lot of different places in the multiverse. Do stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy. Well, welcome everyone to episode three of the No Small Stories podcast. This one's just going to be me and Shane having a conversation. We're going to take a turn and talk about my writing for a hot second. All right. So, it. And it's going to be a little bit weird because I'm used to kind of steering the, the episodes. But we're going to give you the wheel this time and we'll see how it goes.
1: Cool. Um, yeah, so much power.
0: Um <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. Exactly,
1: yeah. <laughs> um yeah, how did you get started with all this? What's what's your story?
0: Um well so what I'm writing right now is the fictional podcast um mm-hmm. or I guess that's sort of like the where I would like to focus my energy and attention is uh the adventures of Abernathy Franklin. Mm-hmm. Um and that started so I've actually had the name Frankie which is one of the versions of Abernathy Franklin in my head and, and the name Abernathy Franklin in my head since like college. Like I can remember when it came to my head, this, this <laughs> like character idea I was making Thanksgiving, like a Friendsgiving dinner with my roommate at the time and some other friends. And it was just this kind of like little daydream that was in my head. And of course, you know, life takes you a lot of different places and you don't always necessarily follow your your highest joy as much as as you would like to. Um mm-hmm. even though that is obviously the goal, right? Right. But so sometime just before the pandemic started, like just before lockdown, uh, a friend of mine from high school reached out out of the blue. And I was always someone who I, I used to write a lot of poetry, especially um in high school and middle school. Um and a friend reached out to me and wanted my address for like one of those like family update cards, not like a Christmas card, but like, just uh-huh. a fan, you know, and um, asked me if I was still writing. And as silly as it seems now, I at the time was like, Oh, yeah, I used to like to write. Like I had not <laughs> been doing that. It, you know, it was just it was kind of a strange little moment. Yeah, it um,
1: comes and goes. It's uh, you know, it does. But passing. I kind of
0: think that you know, I think the universe was kind of nudging me a little bit, like, "Hey, you know, get back into that. That's part of something that you really enjoy doing. You're supposed to be doing that." Mm-hmm. Um, so I joined this uh, website called Vocal, where you can um, they have like writing contests, or at least at the time they were having writing contests, and they would have certain prompts, and I was writing these short stories for these writing contests. And they sort of all kept coming out Abernathy Franklin stories, you know, it was like, just uh, it just sort of happened that way. And I was, I kept writing these little stories and I thought, you know, I'll just put it out as a podcast. We'll just see how yeah. it goes. And so that's kind of how it started. But now it's um, kind of just expanded into like, I really just enjoy the characters. I enjoy seeing the stories that come into my mind and sort of, it's, it's kind of like a, you know. I think all writing, to some extent, is a little bit of sort of, you know, channeling of your higher self, that that there's stories that are, you know, stories that want to be written, stories that want to be told, that, like, you're, to some degree, a little bit the vessel through which those stories are able to express, right? It's sort of a co-creative situation. And so it's been really interesting for me to see the characters that kind of come about and how they develop and, and kind of have, like, the little... I don't know if, if you ever experienced this in your writing, but, you know, kind of like aha moments of, of, oh, that's who this character is, or this is what this little, you know, caveat is. It, it's a, an exciting thing when you have that happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something I've, I've been wanting to experiment with uh, for a while, just because I've I've always written poetry. I always felt, um, I don't know. I always feel intimidated writing, writing a story and being able to, um, I guess the biggest biggest thing is like plot for me. Uh I'm like just like how can I create something that happens that like people are excited with that mm-hmm. you know, that's um that keeps people following me. Like I feel like I'm great at characters because poetry is a you know, it's it's like fleshing out like emotions and all that stuff. So, like character studies are like Yeah, right. that's fine. Like that's fair enough, you know, that I could I could describe a character, I could maybe even describe a character's history, but to make them do stuff was always it was
0: always tough for me. See, I think that's, uh, I have a little bit of that myself, but that's what mm-hmm. I sort of, the the way that I've been writing has been a very sort of, I'm very fluid. I don't have a lot of mm. rules necessarily, right? Like right. The, the whole idea of what I'm going into is like, you know everything so and it's something that like Frankie says uh one of the versions of Abernathy like Frankie's like I like to think of Frankie as kind of being the highest version of Abernathy Franklin she's you know the the one that's always the most calm the one that's always not concerned about what's going on everything's a game everything's fun you know and but she always says everything that you can think of exists somewhere in some dimension right right?" and so uh, that I think I kind of I, I really lean into that in the sense of the story being able to be fluid and not yeah. necessarily needing a lot of structure rules and you know not being super concerned about things like th- the the sort of classic formulaic things like you know we did talk about a little bit on the last podcast with Sean the the story arc structures that are kind of mm-hmm. what are expected in our. I've, human creation of storytelling since you know the epic of Gilgamesh essentially right. yeah so I do like being a little bit more uh I don't know loosey-goosey with it so and you know I again though I, I started from a place of poetry too so maybe that's a little where it comes from
1: yeah well and you know a lot of a lot of writers too um I'm trying to read more books on writing that uh, whereas before I always felt like I was uh <laughs> I always felt like really lame like for doing that and like I like I don't have to read a book on writing if I'm an actual writer, or if I, you know, if I have any skill in it. Like I just always put myself down about it, but um, the more I try to dig into the craft and and really figure it out and take advice from, you know, from writers who uh, have done the same thing, it's it's super helpful. But you know, they always say it's about an unraveling, and mm-hmm. I don't. Know, I guess if I can, you know, if I'm if I'm coming from a place of poetry to, uh, I don't know, look at it as at least start off with like a stream of conscious, you know, stream of consciousness where it's just like, okay, what happens if this happens? And then I just, you know, take it from there. And then, you know, it's just, you know, w- words on the page to start with is, is, uh, is good enough for anybody. So
0: it is. Yeah. You know, I think for me, it's, a, it is, everything that I do is very stream of consciousness, partly because I think a lot of what I write just comes from like general daydreaming. Like I yeah. think a lot of, uh, a lot of my creativity is in in that realm of just sort of like, the daydreaming escapism kind of, like, get out of my current, you know, reality that may not look exactly how I want it to. So, like, if this, you know, if I could have anything that I could, anything that I could have or experience, what would it look like? And, and a lot of things like that, uh, a lot of my stories come from that. I think a lot of my characters come from that. But um, it is an interesting, you know, the idea of letting things unravel. I do think that's interesting. I do think that's fun because a lot of... Um, a lot of what I write, like, it's it's starting to make a little more sense to me mm-hmm. in terms of, okay, why have I always been interested in certain things? Things like um, anything in, like, the occult esoteric sort of realms, I- I'm that sort of um, a contrarian by nature and, and anything that I wasn't supposed to be interested in or look at was, like, I'm super fascinated by it. Like, why am I not supposed to look at it? I want to know more. So, but it's interesting because a lot of those things, you know, and and in the realm of like the paranormal and and these different concepts or even just like quantum physics because I'm a big fan of like quantum physics concepts and theories and it's it's interesting because since I've started writing it's like okay, I've I've been able to incorporate all these ideas and these interests and these fascinations that I have into the story arcs into what the characters believe and 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 the different sort of versions of Abernathy like what what she experiences in her reality and in her particular slice of you know whatever multi-dimensional space she's in Mm -hmm. it's um i don't know it's interesting it's been kind of it's a fun little unraveling of like oh that's why i like these things because look at how i can fit it into my story
1: right yeah yeah i was about to ask like is there um you know if you could boil down uh yeah abernathy to um uh it's like a locus of like things that you're you're interested in you just kind of you know described a little bit but is there you know when you started to realize that these things are starting to be like connected it's like oh this makes sense and this um this feels familiar almost uh mm-hmm. like when when was there what was it about the character that uh you know whether it's her age or whether it's her background where you just kind of started to realize like oh this is why these are all like these go together now. Like it's not just, you know, kind of one-off like this, this is
0: a story that goes. I, you know, (laughs) honestly, the more that I've been writing and I haven't, you know, I'm not so far in, in terms of like putting out episodes of the podcast, but I have a lot of ideas of like, this is an episode and this is an episode and this is a story kind of thing that I just have to, you know, again, donate to our Patreon so that we can both have the time to sit down and write and spend more time (laughs) with these things because they're going to be great entertainment for everyone. Right. but I I've been noticing and I've recognized, I, I don't know. I think I might've been maybe sort of midway in, into the episodes that I have currently where I went, okay, these are different versions of me. These uh-huh. are versions of myself that I either have been or would like to be right? right. These are different perceptions I have of myself. These are different, you know, whether it's something that, You know, like, so one of them, the, one of the newer Abernathy Franklin, she's kind of new to this interdimensional travel and and popping in and out of different dimensions. Um, and Frankie calls her Nikki and she's very, um, she's very much kind of a version of me that was, that's still attached to the kind of survival mode, um, what is appropriate in human behavior what is appropriate to a social situation the the sort of the the worries or concerns that pop up so like I'm writing an episode right now where um Frankie's just like they're there is they're visiting 13,000 years ago human civilization wow. and Frankie picks up some berries and just starts eating them that are just like hanging out and Nikki is like Bleh. What are you doing? Those could be poisonous. You you could die. And you know, Frankie's like, "Well, I don't worry about those things, so those things don't happen to me." You know, like she's just so completely unconcerned. And it's like, I, you know, it's it's a very interesting juxtaposition for me to be like, "Here's this version of kind of how I see myself and the and the sort of things I'm stuck in. Here's who I'd like to be. The person who is just supremely unconcerned with everything and and just enjoying everything that's available because it is available." You know, so it, it it has been fun in that sense. It is it is a little bit of, you know, and I think that's, again, something we've talked about with poetry being sort of self-reflective. It is a little bit of a self-exploration of, you know, who who have I been in terms of how I've perceived myself? Mm-hmm. Who have I been in terms of how, you know, different versions of me perceive myself? You know, when you're younger, you think of yourself a certain way and and in different, you know, circumstances in your life, you see yourself a different way. So it has been a little bit of a self exploration in that sense uh, and it's um I don't know it's it's interest it, it's fun when it's something that is entertaining to me it's a lot more you know fun right. to look at it as an entertainment source rather than kind of like the talk therapy what's wrong with me sort of element
1: Sure yeah yeah it's still a still an exploration but <laughs> <laughs> a bit more enjoyable uh a little on the more
0: more on the fun side and i'm like you know yeah. what i think this works for me a little bit better
1: yeah yeah um no that reminds me kind of uh when we we're talking about sean with the suspension of belief because um i'm similar that way when i critique my own writing sometimes because i'm just like especially when it comes to stories i'm like well that doesn't make sense or like you know maybe the reader would be confused by that or maybe that sounds like you know dumb and doesn't go with you know but i it reminds me so much of my my son, because um, we watch movies all the time and he is and, and you know, he's ten now, and so granted he's seen a bunch of movies, you know, from obviously G, PG all the way to PG 13 now just because i like I was watching the mm-hmm. same sort of stuff. But he sometimes mm-hmm. gets in the mood where when he's watching uh, a movie and something ha- happens either randomly or the character does something uh like you know just outlandish or like i'm just trying to think of uh, a good example but anyway he just said like, why would they do that that's so stupid you know just like the like just like the horror movie like scenario right with yeah a little girl like why are just, you like, running advantage. upstairs
0: instead of yeah. out the front door
1: yeah why would you do that um yeah. and i'm just like buddy you just have to like it's part of the movie like just you're in this world and this is what happens in this world you know and you just have to, to agree that.
0: with the rules of of what the environment that's being created
1: Exactly. And if there are no rules in that world, then you have to accept that too. And it's just, but it's, it's the world that, you know, is created and, you know, the reader accepts those things. Uh, and, you know, if they don't like it, they don't like it. But um, I'm trying to be less concerned with that, at least when it comes to writing stories. Because, you know, for me writing poetry, I've always like, for me, it's been such a, a help and like a therapy for me. Mm-hmm. And so I almost... I almost have larger aspirations for it um, for when other people read it. (laughs) That maybe I should, should tone down a little bit. Maybe when I write stories where it's like, well, this doesn't have to like save somebody's life. Like this is just, you know, but you don't know
0: that, you know, the thing is is when you're truest to yourself and your own creativity, that is when whatever you express is what someone can connect to more deeply. And I think, you know, it's like you don't have to know who it's going to reach or how it's going to affect them. You just have to be truest to yourself and someone and whoever needs it is going to find it,
1: right. you know,
0: and I've, I'm definitely of the, um, you know, amuse thyself first sort mm-hmm. of uh, realm. You know, as long as I'm enjoying it, that's really what is important right. because that's what's because if you enjoy what you're doing, it's going to show, right? Yeah. It's going to come through in in what you create. And, you know, I, I always kind of think, too, of uh, I think it was Eddie Izzard, the comedian who uh-huh. said uh, in an interview one time, something about expect the audience to come up to you. Don't tuck down to your audience. Don't tone yourself down to meet them. Expect them to come up to you, and right. they will. You know, yeah. and I do think that's true. I think your audience will, at least the audience that's meant for you, right? That's yeah. meant for right. the most expansive version of whatever it is you have to offer. They're the ones that are meant for you are the ones that are going to love it and will find it and. And the ones that don't love it, they just weren't meant for it, and that's okay.
1: Right, and that's just, that won't be your audience, and not everybody's your audience, and, you know, not everybody can be, so.
0: And that's perfectly all right, because there's, you know, again, there's many, many dimensions that Abernathy is in, and so she's not (laughs) concerned. She'll find the right one to be in. She's not concerned about it.
1: Yeah. It's totally fine. As you're talking about the different dimensions, um, did you have any specific inspirations that you can kind of point to like for example like I'm reading Sybil um okay I'm rereading it again for the first time trying to finish it um but that is uh it's a story but it's based on a study um of a woman in like the 50s who had like it's the first psychoanalysis right of of like like, multiple
0: personalities or uh, i yeah. don't know that that's what they call it anymore but yeah that's how yes yeah, like 16 knows
1: personalities it. is what she was documented as having and it's just a, a cool story but I just wondering if you had any any things like that that sort of pushed you towards you know whether it was the occult whether it was you know any
0: there's a lot of it that comes together i mean so you know like i have an episode where frankie goes out and meets bigfoot you know and and mm-hmm. it turns out there is a version of bigfoot that is sentient enough to communicate in speech you mm-hmm. know and um i've always loved like paranormal and that like i love cryptid stories i have um like even in one of my early episodes um one of the versions of abby is reading a the adventures in cryptozoology which is a book that i have that i love Mm -hmm. that is you know uh, again sort of explorations of anything in the realm i think of, of of weird or anything outside of the mainstream really you know any again Anything that I was ever told that like, that's crazy, that's weird, that's wrong. You know, it mm-hmm. was that I'm immediately attracted to it. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of different things. Like I know when I was um, like when I was first starting to write these little short stories, I was really heavily watching Hellier, which is a uh, paranormal yeah. documentary. This uh, group of friends who goes um, sort of in, in, in search of what they think is going to be a, a goblin's case that they're called to and it's this really interesting um really interesting journey they go on in this like paranormal investigation they do where it becomes something completely different than what they anticipated at which is you know isn't that just how life goes everything you know whatever you think something's gonna be it always turns into something completely different yeah and so you know there's a lot of different things for me i definitely love the paranormal like i have so one of the episodes that I have one of the recent episodes there's a um so there's a version of Abernathy Franklin that actually transitioned to male at at a young age in some dimension that um it's not really again kind of fully explained I like to uh, be a bit loose with details too to like I don't know give people room to accept the concept and not necessarily require a really solid sort of detailed description but essentially this is a version of Abernathy, um, goes by Fabian. Fabian transitioned as a, like, I think 16-year-old, if I remember how I wrote it correctly. I should remember my own stories. But, you know, I like to think the characters come to me a little bit, so I don't always uh, – yeah. you don't always know. But <laughs> um, Fabian uh, Fabian's boyfriend is Brody, and they go ghost hunting together. And so there's a version of – abby that goes by natty who like pops into their french villa on occasion just to sleep one off because she's been partying in her like favorite version of france and she sleeps one off at their apartment and wakes up to uh go ghost hunting with them and they go you know they have this like encounter with a ghost where they're able to have this conversation with this ghost and it's kind of so again you know like I really I again the paranormal something that's so fun for me and I enjoy as hokey as a lot of it is the ghost hunting stuff that you see you know and you know really for me I think the biggest thing is just the exploration of human consciousness the exploration of what is truly possible and available to us as humans like that is my 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 biggest fascination you know the idea of there there's so much available there's so much there's so much more possible in life than what we have been conditioned to believe, you know? And again, you know, my fascination with like quantum physics, it's like quantum physics is actually starting to, you know, they've got their own like multi-dimensional string theories and all this that Mm -hmm. absolutely lines up with the idea that, yeah, there's a lot more possible out there than this, you know, very sort of limited understanding of existence that we have had for a very long time. And so that's, um, I think that's my biggest thing is just exploring the expansive ideas and, Mm -hmm. and the things that maybe push the boundaries a little bit of what we've always understood and experienced about our, you know, human existence and, and what is reality? You know, that's kind of the big, the big question that I like to explore. Like, and you know, again, I go back to Frankie, she, another thing she says, all roads lead to El Dorado and all truths are true. So Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you believe in, you know, whatever reality is that you think is reality. Well, that's what your reality is because right. that's what your view. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Were you a fan of uh, Ray Bradbury or uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Oh, I do character?
0: love Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide is definitely one that I I, um, I, think I just re-listened to all three of those, uh, the first three books in the series anyway um, a couple months ago. I, I do. I love again, sort of the idea of like people get kind of stuck in the, you know, I I love the whole, you know, they have this the big experiment to find the answers to the universe and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and the answer is 42, right, and it's yeah. like, which uh, means nothing. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's just, I, I do. I love that. The sort of outrageousness of like we take life and existence so seriously. And we think there's all these like ultimate answers or these ultimate truths. And, and it really it's like, No, you know, reality and life and and your existence has only the meaning that you give it, you Mm -hmm. know, like, life is meaningless, ultimately, but that's not a bad thing, unless you say that it is like life has the meaning that you attach to it.
1: Yeah. Well, meaning itself is, you know, it's a construct. It's like, otherwise, it's just life or the absence of it. And that's the only, you know,
0: (laughs) right. It's so that is a. I think a big thing that I explore and like so another um like another series I'm writing and I had a few uh short episodes that I kinda in inserted into like the podcast, like the fictional podcast, um, is my Straight From Death series where Death, the Grim Reaper, um, is telling about her favorite soul collections mm-hmm. and the stories themselves of like, you know, the what we would consider i would think you know it's maybe a little on the darker side like one of the first ones is uh has to do with like a cult it's like a uh sort of thwarted love story that becomes mm-hmm. this like cult situation and um essentially the stories are a bit tragic a bit dark a bit at the outset they look upsetting mm-hmm. but then at the end of it when death comes to collect these characters they have their life review and they look at it and recognize how beautiful every part of it that they lived was what the value was and everything that they experienced that, you know, just because something might've been painful or you perceived it a certain way, doesn't mean that that's how it was. Doesn't mean that that your existence was somehow less than by any means, you know, and kind of the, the overarching theme of that is like, Every experience is valuable. Every life is valuable. Everything that you live is of value to the expansion of, of you know, just the consciousness that we all are. And, and there's no reason to sort of lament the way that your life went or, or be sad for certain events because it, it is all valuable. Like there awesome. is something beautiful that you can find in everything, you know, um and that's you know it's again it's it's part of the it's part of the self-journey that I'm on you know right and I think a lot of us as writers that's a lot of you know you have a lot of catharsis in your writing like this is this is how I want to perceive reality in the world right. how can I create that well I have to create this you know fictional scenario in order to experience it for myself to some degree and you know it's got to externalize itself in this reality, somehow. I don't know the how bit yet, but that's okay.
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, uh, yeah, I think on my poetry, I'm, I think I'm just starting to get out of that phase, but before it was like, it was just like a lot of backlog. It's like I've got a lot of feelings, emotions, mm-hmm. trauma, whatever that I'm like, I got to feel and like figure out, you know, what the fuck is going on.
0: I think the that, things you have to work through, like,
1: thing, yeah, you got to work through it. And now, you know, uh, maybe starting to get to that place where it's like okay now I can build the world that I want to or now I can write about the world that I would that I would like um and so it's definitely different um yeah I've always wondered about that uh at the end of life because they say is it DHT that's the chemical that like DMT DMT that's just like dumped in your brain like right that like you know during the death rattle the few like last seconds where it's like I just wonder what those flashes of memory are like
0: so it's so funny you say that I have also been so like the um, there's actually a study that they've been there that had been done a number of years ago uh, that I watched like a, a YouTube video on Graham Hancock who writes about uh, so he's a big inspiration for me. He's an investigative journalist and he looks a lot more into like archaeology and um, sort of human history. And, and mm-hmm. that's where kind of where I am with this like 13,000 years ago civilization. So his um he has his work is is based in the theory that there was a advanced human civilization 13,000 years ago that was lost to humanity, to history, because of what they are now discovering is true, a, a global calamity, a global, um, what you know, essentially the earth was hit with this comet debris that caused like mm-hmm. a snap that was a, a instant sort of winter and like the flood myths that you hear about in different cultures and different religions. Mm-hmm. actually did happen on the planet there was like massive flood events these comet pieces hit these you know the ice caps and melted all this water and and there's so many pieces of land you know like huge swaths of land that are now underwater in the ocean that you know archaeology doesn't really explore but that there mm-hmm. could be evidence of of human civilizations that were far more advanced than what we believe in our current you know not right. to sound like ancient aliens but you know mainstream uh- science or mainstream archaeology but um so that's something that I am exploring too but I it's sorry I lost my train of thought just a little bit but I do I it's one of those things that DMT there it is Graham Hancock so there's another study that they did where they were actually giving people DMT intravenously like to kind of get them to record their experiences and the the really interesting thing was that People would come back with, you know, come out of the the, the high or whatever you call it, because your body does create DMT on its own. And they, yeah. you know, they say that like DMT is a big factor in like your dream state and the yeah. things that happen in your dream state. But what was interesting was that these people who had these, these DMT experiences had similar descriptions of sort of the experiences that they had. And like one of the things that Graham Hancock writes about, too, is. Um, the experiences that like shamans have like like you're looking at cave paintings cave drawings mm-hmm. all over the world um, and and the experiences that shamans have and how there's a parallel in the imagery of cave paintings of like ancient people and the things that are experienced by people who are shamans who are going into like altered states of consciousness whether it's mm-hmm you know, through plant medicine or whatever they do. So that's an interesting thing to me, too. Like the idea that, okay, maybe there's this other layer to reality Mm -hmm. that we don't experience or see regularly. But when you have that like high dosage of a chemical kick, whether it's DMT or a plant medicine, like you're suddenly sort of able to cut through the ego filter a little bit and see this kind of other layer that there is to existence that we just don't pay attention to usually. Right. Right. And so well, like- we have a,
1: we're really good at like <laughs> at, um, you know, negating or dismissing like the common factor between all mm-hmm. humans. Right. We're like, we're super easy. Like it's easy to get in a fight. It's easy to like, yes. see all the differences and stuff. But, um, I, I listen to Sam Harris sometimes and he's talked about, uh, psychedelics. He's talked about some of the, some of the, um, experiences that he's had when he's on them and like one was like mm-hmm. one of the first times that he took it and it almost feels like telepathy in a way or it's like you're, yeah. you're able to connect with the person around you or next to you like without speaking and it just it feels yeah there's like this extra higher layer where it's like you don't have to communicate in a normal way you're having the same experience it's i don't know it's it's wild so
0: I see. And that's the thing that like, again, the, the idea of human consciousness, the interconnectivity of all of us, like, you know, so and and that's, again, more of that kind of like in the occult esoteric paranormal realm is where I was kind of introduced to it. But then I get interested in, in science and quantum physics and these studies like what Graham Hancock does or, or these studies of people who do have very similar experiences like on psychedelics or, or um, in a various altered states of consciousness, however, that happens. And that's something that I really love exploring in my writing and the idea of a multiverse of of parallel realities of Mm -hmm. anything that you could think of, anything that you might want in life already exists somewhere. You just have to figure out how to see it sort of. You have to figure out how do you cut through the subconscious programming that we've all been taught or the conditioning that we have that we've picked up from other humans in our life. And to really start to see okay well where is the reality that i want to experience right and how how do i allow myself to see that you know and i do i love that that's something that is uh definitely very fascinating to me and especially like just that interconnectivity like you were saying having similar experiences you know like so i have two sisters and my younger sister who lives uh nearby and we hang like it happens all the time and it's so fun for me that where we kind of have like, I, I, I might not be able to find a a word or a name or something I'm mm-hmm. thinking of, but like she knows what it is right away, right? Or like we will start singing the same song at the same time kind of thing, uh-huh. you know, like there's a lot of those little like where we sync up, right? And yeah. and obviously part of it is, you know, the familial thing and that we've just like spent so much time together, like we've lived together a number of different times throughout life and so there, there is that element of it, but it, it it's, it's something that's fun for me now thinking of it in terms of that interconnectivity of human consciousness, that you can have those, I don't know if psychics necessarily the right, yeah, right. The, you know, terminology for it, but those, those things that happen where you just connect up with someone and, and, yeah. you know, you do have, you're having the same thought or you're having the same experience, you know, or it, it's kind of that idea too of, um, you know, you think about someone that maybe you haven't talked to in a while and then they call you or they text you and it's like, Oh, I was just thinking about you, you know? So like just exploring that sort of, you know, what, what, what are the powers of the human mind to really create circumstances or to experience, to have a shared experience that Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't usually explore because we are so very, you know, entrenched in kind of purging the old traumas and, and getting through day-to-day existence and, you know, all those sort of like the base level survival mode things that we get caught up in, you know. Yeah. So that's something that I do definitely also enjoy exploring in my writing. If I, you know, which is why I really love, you know, Frankie that, the idea that like, well, she just goes and does whatever she wants and look at all these crazy things she experiences and these different slices of reality she gets to see and she gets to visit different planets and she just knows so much about the cosmos and it's, you know, like she's kind of tapped in and tuned in and and turned on in in some way that she's able to just know things. And it's not, she doesn't look at it as like a psychic power ability. It's again, it's just, it's all a game. It's all fun. It's all something to experience.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's why we enjoy writing so much anyway, um, you know, as creators, but just the, I don't know, the role that language has (laughs) on that, just base and broad communication between everything. Um, you know, it's awesome that, uh, you know, one word can make all the difference, one association, one, like one degree, like it just, um, you
0: know what that means to a person so i yeah you know communication is key isn't it and that's kind of a that is a that's such a big part of of writing in general being able to communicate and i think you know poetry is a really good place to tap into that communicating not just imagery to someone yeah. but sensory emotions or or a yeah. certain kind of energy right like yeah. being able to express an energy and not just the kind of like the outer external sensory experiences that we're used to
1: right yeah yeah well especially when it comes to you know for me you know i always think of poetry you know when it comes to when it comes to explaining like wrongs or injustices or you know prejudices in that way where it's like or you know biases anything it's like a person can see that it's wrong and a person can say that it's wrong and and all those things. But if you're still separated in the sense of like you have never felt it and you, you can't feel what it is to, to have that be done to you, then you're still, um, you know, you're just, (laughs) there's no skin in the game for you. You know, you, you don't Mm -hmm. understand what it, what it means to, to have without or, uh, anything like that. So to make somebody feel that is, I don't know, is incredible to me.
0: It is. So, um, so there's another episode that I have of Abernathy Franklin where they visit a soul rehab center for souls that have incarnated as like the big baddies of humanity, essentially. Okay. Right. So like Hitler is there and like, so Frankie and Nikki go sit at a table with, um with Richard chase and um Jeffrey Dahmer and okay. Albert fit like these, So like, that's another thing that is a fascination Uh for me. I love true crime and like serial killer stories and things like like that's been something that I've consumed a lot of in, in, in my, you know, the entertainment that I, no, entertainment's maybe not the right word, but that, you know, that's a big thing for me is true crime, something that I've really loved. And so Mm -hmm. they're visiting this rehab center where souls go to recuperate after having absorbed all this hate from humanity because of the character they played on earth when they incarnated as a human, essentially. So like- um playing with that idea of you know human existence is a game we choose as souls to come into this existence and be this person and and experience sort of this you know avatar i guess you would say and so it's kind of it's and it's another one of those um so jeffrey Dahmer actually in a former life was a nun who was vegan and brought veganism to uh the village that he was in in this in that incarnation and so it's like okay well to experience yourself from a different perspective you have to experience yourself from a complete you know opposite end of the spectrum and he was a cannibalistic murderer you know so it's kind of that idea of you know again the self-exploration having to see yourself from all the different perspectives that you possibly can and uh so yeah it's that's another idea I like to play with the, the kind of, you know, we choose the people that we are and, yeah. and, and we are, I don't know. I guess the, that we live on purpose. Yeah. Right. As much as, as much as sometimes we feel like things happen to us or, or there are those traumas and things that you have to purge. It's like, you know, but no, we chose to be here. We wanted to be here. Let's right. let's live like we want to be here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, um. you know, and I'm not, uh, authority or a follower or you know um of anything of of, of hinduism but just you know what i know of reincarnation right it's it's essentially like completing the cycle right completing mm-hmm. the cycle of you know life experiences right and you've had one but that's a very small tiny part of the whole existence and you have to keep on cycling back until like you get through all of it and then you're complete right
0: right until you learn all the lessons that you intended to learn and yeah, yeah. That's something that I'm also interested in. I think there's some of that that I incorporate, um, you know, those kind of eastern religions, the the spiritual view of existence and, you know, kind of a soul's journey. It's, you know, this one lifetime that you're in isn't the only sort of opportunity to experience humanity that you have. Right. And, And may not be the only one that you've ever done. Like this might not be your only ride. You may have been in this rodeo a couple of times before, even if you don't remember it. And, you know, kind of trying to look at, I feel like I'm in a space like that in my life in general, trying to look at the things I have experienced and that I do experience and ask myself, how was that something that was meant to be of help to me, be of benefit to me? As much as you might have those things where you have to sort of like you know, you have to go through things where you have to forgive people or or Mm -hmm. circumstances or forgive yourself for certain things. And, you know, that's kind of, it's very recently a space that I've been in where I've been like, well, is there really anything to forgive if this was something that was meant to be a learning experience? Right. You know, it wasn't something done to me. It's not a mistake I made. It was an intentional learning experience. It had value. Is there really anything to be forgiven if nothing was truly done? that wasn't intentional on a level that maybe I don't understand. Right. You know? yeah. Which I know is kind of a, maybe a bigger, broader idea than most people are <laughs> ready to absorb or well, uh, speculate I think,
1: on. I think more people would be better off if they, if they embrace some of those ideas, because we are slow learners otherwise. Um, and especially if we give everything a specific meaning, it's like, we're not going to be able to progress in any, in any way that's going to matter. Mm -hmm. to us at least enough time in this reality in this life to you know to make it different my my son was introduced to the the apple in the box theory
0: i don't know if i know this one
1: and he's kind of fascinated by it for a little bit so he um i'm not exactly sure where it came from or if there's a specific you know kind of like the train situation theory right i don't know i don't know philosopher that came up with it but it's you know the conundrum right Mm -hmm. so The apple in the box, as best as I can explain, and I think there's a YouTube video on it, too, that probably does a little bit better. But it's basically, you put this apple in this box, and this box is self-contained, like it's completely sealed, um, and you leave this box alone for infinity, right? For years, years, millions, trillions, eons, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. And so eventually, within this box, the apple will break down, and it will break down to the point of atoms and nuclear energy and fission and fusion and all those things. Right. And it will go through all the iterations that it possibly can, all the different possibilities of those atoms that are already in that box that could possibly produce within that time. And it will keep on going through all the iterations that are possible until it finally gets back to the apple. Because eventually it will go through all the right. possibilities to get back to the, you know... The apple again and it'll keep on doing that for as long as it's you know contained in that box and so if you think of the box as the universe you can start to wonder it's like okay how many iterations of myself have there already been there so it's like a, it's you know it's, it's a similar to the the different dimensions it's like I think of this as my first life as you know Shane and you know poet and doing all this right. stuff right but if if universe is infinite and if universe has been recycling and redoing itself forever then this could be my you know, Nine billionth time is this, you know, trying to do the same
0: thing. And you same don't, thing, right? You, know? you don't know. You just, you're just uh, cycling through. And am I doing better this time than I did yeah. the last, you know, eight billion times?
1: Right.
0: Uh, but I think, you know, so that's a, what I thought of immediately is Schrodinger's cat, which is a, a quantum physics thought experiment um, that I actually write about in an episode. Um, Erwin Schrodinger was a quantum physicist and the thought experiment was you put a cat in a box with an isotope, um, that like breaks down at a certain rate that once it's broken down to a certain rate, it'll like drop this anvil that breaks the thing of poison. And while the cat is in the box, you don't know if the cat has been poisoned or not. So the cat is simultaneously alive and dead. Theoretically, Uh it exists in this duality of, of, because you haven't opened the box to again it's like giving things meaning to to make a determination until you open the box it's both things it's it, because you just can't know until you give it that well it's dead it's alive it's whatever yeah and now i i do that's again that's more of the concepts that i do really love exploring uh just the yeah, that idea of, you know, maybe I have done this before, Maybe you know, like you experience things like deja vu and think like, oh, I've done this and it, maybe I have actually done this before. Or yeah. for me, a thing that I've been experiencing a lot lately is um, like kind of I, I call it the idea of like doppelgangers, but essentially seeing people where I'm like, I know you, I know, I know your face. Uh-huh. I have no idea how I know you. There's no reason for me to know you like I ask about where you, you know, like where you're from and like there's no reason for me to know you but I swear I know your face like and yeah. I'm you know so but it it is it's okay. Well, maybe there's been other realities, and other lives that I've lived and I did know you and I do know your face but I uh, you know my human ego mind is a brilliant perception filter in the way that it can compartmentalize and so I just I there's there's an answer that I can't quite get to and you know i guess at the end of the day does the answer really matter or does it matter that 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 you're finally learning whatever it is you know again in the idea of reincarnation and and kind of the video game aspect of doing it over and over again from the same checkpoint right yeah have i gotten past the checkpoint that i'm supposed to get past yet
1: yeah and, well you know, and i love uh so i realized yeah. the sam harris too he has a meditation app but um biggest thing with that or biggest thing that I took away, especially just in the first few times I listened to it was uh just regulating our thoughts essentially you're you know trying to trying to be thoughtless, trying to like not at least have them rule, you know, our, our daily lives so much that we can start to really sense and experience just, you know, what life is. But you know, biggest thing was that like especially when it comes to our emotions, like we can choose how long we want to be angry and we can choose how long we want to feel regret and we can choose how long we want to do each and every emotion it's within our control. We just, we choose to keep on manufacturing it for some reason or another. We get, we get stuck, um, you know, and how nice would it would be just people to like, just feel it just for the moment that you have to. And then like, and then that's it. Let
0: and, it go. And then go Let, on. Yeah, it's just right. like, it's,
1: it's, a, it's, it, it's not a, I don't know. It's not a crazy concept, but it's, it's really hard to practice.
0: <laughs> so, uh, no, but it's interesting. So like, I'm a big fan of, um, like the so the two names that came into my head were Neville Goddard. Neville Goddard was a, a philosopher back in the 40s, uh, 50s, 60s. Um, his the things that he would talk about were very much through the, the lens of the Bible and the Bible as being not secular history, but as being a sort of instruction manual for how to operate this human existence kind of right. Um, and so, like his big thing, and a lot of the stuff you see on YouTube that's attached to him, or when people talk about him, is that imagining creates reality. If you imagine a scenario for yourself, you will create it in your reality. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, you know, is such a fascinating thing for me. So it's like, okay, gotta keep imagining that I write full time, and that's all yeah, I right. do, and that's what we got to do. <laughs> but then I'm also a big fan of um, Rhonda uh, Byrne, B Y R N E, I think. Byrne, Byrne. I'm not sure. She, so she's the one who wrote The Secret. Um, and, and it filmed that documentary, the secret with all these different philosophical teachers, again, the same concepts, you know, imagining creates reality, but mm. also talking a lot about, um, emotional states and sort of the idea of remembering you are not the emotional state. You can feel it right. when it comes to whether it's anger or depression or sadness or whatever, even if it's joy, whatever it is, you are not that state you are in that state. It's a mm-hmm. state of being and you're just finding yourself in it. Yep. And, you know, we do get caught up in it as humans and we identify ourselves with that state. You know, I am angry. I am depressed. I i am anxious. I'm whatever. We very much identify ourselves with it when all yep. you really have to do is recognize that like this, this is a, a state of being that is mm-hmm. separate of me. And if I want to let go of it, you know, like I could pick up a pen and drop it. I can do that. And if I want to, you know, like she talks about it as like getting on a horse, like you can get on the horse of anger, but you can get off it just as easily. You can say, I don't want to ride this anymore. I'm getting off. Like you can't choose that, but it is something that is, we're not conditioned to believe that that's possible for us. And so it's again, that kind of deprogramming, you know, you have to unlearn that you've been taught that, when you're in that emotion, that is who you are and you identify with it, or it's something attached to you that, that you don't have control over. But when really it's, no, you do have the option to shift yourself. It's not an easy thing to do because it's not practiced, right? We're not practiced in it, but it is absolutely possible and you can do it, you know? So that is definitely something for me that I've tried to Again, especially lately, just having having the big, vast dreams and the things that I really want to do with my reality. It's like, okay, I can focus my energy and my attention on the, you know, how do I do it? I don't know how to do it. Or I can focus on there's a lot of people that do it. I want to do it. It's possible. And I don't necessarily have to know how it'll happen. But if I just hold that vision and if I hold that that emotional state of what would it be like if it were true, that the right things will come into my experience and it's you know some of it is partly because you are in a state of mind where you're able to see them whereas mm-hmm. if you are focused on the the negation of what you want well that's what you're going to notice but if yeah. you focus on what would that reality look like well then you start to notice the things that speak to what that reality is and and the puzzle kind of comes together on its own in a more effortless way you know yeah. so and that's definitely it- Again, concepts like this are I, I want to write those into what I write because I think they're a little bit big and broad for maybe main swaths of society and certainly you know the uh, conservative background we grew up in. And I think that if you can present it in the form of entertainment, that maybe those concepts are a little easier for people to swallow.
1: Yeah, when well, I think even of uh, you know that same hope, uh you know goes hand in hand with either you know religion or you know whatever your kind of big picture idea is where it's like regardless of whether it happens or not that's not necessarily the you know the sense of it it's like but is it better for me to hope that there's going to be something later or there's going to be something afterwards not that I'm discounting this life because there's plenty of people that do that that I don't agree with where it's like no still enjoy this one like still go Mm -hmm. for it (laughs) you know on, on this level while you can um the same thing like as a writer I mean if I find out on my deathbed that you know I didn't become the writer that I that I thought I would be or that I should be I would have rather spent that you know how many years hoping and waiting and like knowing that's going to come waiting for you know like keep pushing for it you know being in the space of of, of
0: feeling good about it instead of in a space of yeah hopeful is better than hopeless
1: yeah exactly like i mean i might as well i mean <laughs> if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen or if it doesn't happen in the way that i think it will happen then it doesn't happen in the way that i think it will happen but something will happen and there's no reason not to be you know that you know i'm getting used to your positivity and I'm not being so not so toxic so
0: <laughs> yeah well you do it's, it's you know it's that idea that energy goes where attention flows if you have your attention on the it has to it has to be available. I wouldn't want it if I couldn't have it. Right. You know, and and look at how many people there's so many people who are able to do it. And I'm not any different than them. I'm made up of the same consciousness stuff that they are. I, you know, we all are made of the same atoms on the quantum level. And if if I come from the same stuff that they come from, then I have to be able to create whatever version of that that they have that I look at and and I say I would love to have that you know, and I think that's another big thing too. And something I've been doing a lot lately is like, when you see someone who has what you want, don't look at it with the sort of like the longing feeling the the jealousy mm-hmm. or what, you know, celebrate that good for you that you have that. And good for me that I am in a mindset where I can see that you have that because that yeah. means that I am in a place where, like, you know, the universe or, or whatever you want to call it is showing me signs of uh, I, it's I call it signs of land, you know, like when you're sailing and you see birds or sticks floating in the water and it's signs that land is coming. It's it's signs of land, right? There's, there's signs that what I want in my reality is absolutely possible. And, and that's the universe showing me, yes, you can have it, keep going. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like you said, it's so much better to be in that space and, and whether it happens or comes about or comes about in the way that I think it does, that's kind of irrelevant. If you're in the emotional state that feels better you know, isn't that what we're all looking for? Is just to just to feel good. You know, don't yeah. we all just want happiness? Isn't that yeah. really what it's all about?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of I want to bring up before uh just with the sci-fi stuff and alien civilizations or whatever. Have you seen Prometheus?
0: Yes, I have. Um like as soon
1: as I watched it like that is such a cool like especially for like a kind of a half sci-fi scary, you know, whatever thriller movie, like it had a lot of good just philosophical stuff and i'm like oh this is enjoyable well you
0: know so i'm definitely i, I do love you know um aliens and and mm-hmm. the life is out there because how arrogant would we be to think that we're the only sentient beings that are you yeah. know in an infinitely expansive universe like it's such a primitive idea right so that is something that i do really love to explore and that's definitely you know again in the, in the realm of of all the different things that I kind of go through, the the paranormal, esoteric, uh, all those, again, anything that I wasn't supposed to look at and, and count as valid, you know, according to to the conditioning that I have for, throughout my life. it's That is definitely uh, a big concept that I really do love. And I'm, you know, definitely kind of in that, uh, not necessarily UFO conspiracy world. I'm not one of those that looks at it in the way of Prometheus and the I don't think that it's like in my mind, if if any kind of extraterrestrial species has the technology to travel Mm interstellarly, then how could they possibly be violent? How could like that's such a human base like those are our that's our shit that we haven't gotten over as humanity like right how could we go out as a as a species out into the into the stars unless we got over that shit like there's you know i i just you know so that's for me one of those things that like alien movies in general anymore kind of i'm like i just don't think it would be that i don't think they're coming here to eat us or turn us into cattle because why would they right. they wouldn't have yeah. to.
1: well and the cool thing about at least what i thought was prometheus was that when they found the beings that created them you know like in their own image they were they were monsters they were like evil things and so to just the idea that even if we were created by aliens or created by you know whatever something that we've like progressed past them in a better way you know like just just by just by the simple human experience that we've had to go through that hopefully we've come out better than you know maybe we think (laughs) uh, than our
0: origins you know and And again isn't that the point of you know continuing through the incarnation cycle is to be better the next time than you were the last time and to be more expansive and to be in a space of more compassion of, of less of the violence, less of the war, less of Mm -hmm. the sort of, you know, fighting for resources, like they're not renewable kind of thing. Yeah. So that's, yeah, no, that's definitely something that I also really love exploring in my writing and um, you know, some of the alien characters that I have, I'm really excited to, um, again, you know, thank you universe in advance for giving me more time to write because I have these right. brilliant yeah. episodes exactly. that I would like to write.
1: Thanks for the millions and millions of people that are watching yes! right and, now.
0: and who are joining our <laughs> <listening>, yeah. you <laughs> wonderful, beautiful humans. We thank you so very much. It is so appreciated. Um, but one of the things I wanted to do is to have, um, an episode or maybe multiple episodes where there are alien versions of Abernathy that like, well, this is a version of you that developed as a reptilian on mm-hmm. whatever planet, you know, I, you know, I, I love that idea too of like, well, there are other versions of you that aren't necessarily even human versions of you. There's right. versions of you that are aliens. And, you know, that's something that I really love the idea of exploring too. So, so yes, thank you very much everyone for joining our Patreon <laughs> yeah. because, we have so much awesome stuff to offer the world, and we're just so ready to do it.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we're on our, well, yeah, what number of podcasts are we on now? We're on, we're probably this is we're a on thousand, three, but Yeah, this is our third, but we're on our, you know, you're coming back to this. We're actually on our thousandth by the time you're listening to this. So it's, it's, yeah, it's been happening. Oh, I love time. that. Yes. We're yeah. on
0: episode 516, but thank yeah. you for coming all the way back yeah, to I'm episode way back. number three. <laughs> We yeah. appreciate you for going back <laughs> through the catalog. Thank you. You get a gold star. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic. Well, listen, you know what? I think you've done really well driving for this episode. Yeah. Uh, and, we, and isn't it great that at episode 516, we're both excellent drivers.
1: Yes. Hooray yeah. for
0: us. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for uh, exploring the sort of the... The uh, more expansive ideas that I like that, uh, again, I think I have some like, you know, unconditioning I need to do and in, in sort of being afraid to put them out there in terms of like, people are going to think that I'm completely bonkers, you know, and nope, you got to put it out there and do it anyway, because it, yeah, it yeah, is if, where my highest joy is at.
1: If the world's not too bonkers for Sean, then yeah, I think he'll be okay.
0: Right? There you go.
1: Yeah. Sean's got some awesome ideas. I'm like Just blow it up. Like, those are those awesome. Those Follow it,
0: do it. Somebody out yeah. there is going to resonate with it and like it. There's an audience for all of us. There's too many yeah, people okay. on the planet for there not to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening, and thank you uh-huh. Shane for this conversation. It's been of great. Yeah, Look forward to, to the next one. In.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. See you next time.
0: Mm-hmm. Hi again, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of No Small Stories. We're so glad that you could join us. If you yourself are a creator, an entrepreneur, or a small business person, we would definitely love to talk to you. What inspires you and what is it that you do and how can we connect you to this creative community? If you'd like to find us, you can follow us on Instagram, No Small Stories Podcast. And if you'd like to support more episodes, you can visit our Patreon, patreon.com slash no small stories. You can also find the information in the links in the description for Shane's information and his website, as well as my website for my Abernathy Franklin adventures. Do leave a comment, share with your friends, like, subscribe, do all those things that listeners can do. We thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, remember, no matter how small you start, your story is always a big deal to us.